what else is in my bio, but that's the main piece of it. Okay, so I thank Misora Witz for having and for hosting. And um, okay, Mazel Chodesh Shvat. So this is the topics. And as I started to research the topic of the Mazel of Shvat, I came across some very, very, um, how should we say it, Kabbalistic ideas. And me and Kabbalistic ideas don't go so well together. <laughs> so we had to keep searching and keep digging. And Baruch Hashem, I found a sefer called Ratz Kitzvi by someone named Rabbi Tzvi Reisman. And he had a beautiful piece about Chodesh Shvat. So the majority of this year is based on that. Okay? And it's a little bit boring just to listen to a teacher or to a, a friend, to an instructor on Zoom. So I thought we will do a little bit of, um, of screen share and PowerPoint along with us to make it a little more engaging. So here we go. Okay. Um, come on. Um, technical difficulty on my end too. Oh, there we go. Back up. Alrighty. Okay. So as we're going to be going across uh, or through our shear, you will see on our slides, some slides are going to have an unraveled rope because that means those are going to be loose ends. And we're going to have a whole bunch of loose ends that eventually our slides are going to have a tied up knot or a few tied up knots till we're able to put it pull it all together. Um, if someone wants to unmute themselves and ask a question, I have no problem with that. I'm happier with interactive than I am with just being, just talking to a screen. So here's a very first loose end. Sefer Yitzira says that the mazel of the month of Shvat is a dli. A dli is a pale. A total side interesting point that if you look in the zodiac, the secular zodiac, um, many of the times the mazalos and the zodiac signs match up with each other, Pisces, Dugim, etc. In this case, uh, and I don't have a, a resolution, I don't know why, but the mazal for the January-ish time of year is Aquarius, so the, which is a water carrier. So you see the connection, but it's not exactly the same. I don't know why. Okay, but Bikitzer, the first point that we're going to make is the mazal of this month is a dream, is a pale. Okay. Uh, if you printed out the source sheets, so they match up with, and it will say, it says on the source sheets that they match to slide numbers. And if you look in the lower right corner, you'll see the small number on the slides. And that's not all the sources are there, but many of them. Okay, fine. Okay, sorry, wrong way. Okay. So when Haman was figuring out which, or trying to figure out which month would be the most fortuitous month to implement his devastation on Klai Yisrael. He went through the Hippil Purhua Goral and he went Mechodesh Lechodesh. And each Chodesh he rejected for a different reason. When he came to the Chodesh of Shvat, he rejected Shvat to be the day of the, well, his decree because the, the, the Medrash says, the month of Shvat has the zchus of Moshe. She'nemar v'gam dalo dala lanu. 
when the daughters of Yisro were sharing when they came back after they had been saved by Moshe Rabbeinu and he watered their sheep, they reported that this stranger, this Ish Mitzri, as they said, he also drew for us and that forever put Moshe Rabbeinu's Zechus in the month of Shvat and therefore Haman rejected that option for the month of his decree. So that's the second loose end we have. We didn't answer any question yet. Okay, next loose end. The Yalkut Shimani tells us that if you look in the heavens, if you look at the constellations, this is loose end number three, there are three constellations, three mazalos that are in the southern part of the sky. Taomim, Gemini, right? That was Sivan. Moznayim, which is, I believe, Tishrei, right? Uh, Libra. And Dili, our month. All of those are in the southern part of the sky. So that's our next loose end. We don't know why yet. Okay, next. The Shvatim are also connected with the Mazalos. And the, the Shevet that's connected with Shvat is the Shevet of Asher. Does anyone want to unmute yourself and tell me why there's a tree here, what kind of tree this must be for the Shevet of Asher? Someone want to be brave? Just jump right in. Is it the Shkadia? If no, not, that's an excellent guess. It's the olive tree. Why is it the olive tree? You're right. That's Simon. Exactly. Okay, because that Asher Simon is olive. Asher Shmena, right? Excellent. Beautiful. Now that's another loose end. We haven't come to any conclusions yet. We're just throwing out lots of ideas that we are going to tie up. So right, Asher's Degel is the olive tree, and Asher is also connected. So this Shevet is connected with a month of Shvat. We don't know why yet. Okay. Next question, since you're brave and unmuting yourself, tell me, please, what le red letter dates are there in the month of Shvat? Tuba Shvat. Beautiful. Tuba Shvat, which is Tesvav Shvat. Excellent. Any other red letter date in the month of Shvat that someone can think of? I wouldn't have thought of it either. Okay, so hang on, let's turn the page. And actually, there is another red letter date, Aleph Shvat. Anyone? Besides, it might be somebody's birthday or something. Anybody have an idea? It's a Rosh Chodesh for something. That's right. According to Beis Shammai, you're a thousand percent right that Tubi Shvat is Rosh Chodesh Lila Nos, according to Beis Hillel. But according to Beis Shammai, it's a Rosh Hashanah Ilanos for according to, for base in base Shammai's calculation. Right. Anything else? All right. Let's find our mystery. Okay. Sefer Dvarim, 
Perak Aleph Pasuk Gimel says as follows. Let me just move this away so I can read it a little better. On Vayi Ba'arba'im Shana. So we're in the 40th year in the Midbar. Ba'ashte Asa Chodesh. In the 12th, eleventh uh, month, right? In the eleventh month, the Echad La Chodesh on the first of the month, Diber Moshe Al Bnei Israel Kechol Asher Tiva Hashem Oso Alehem. So Sefer Devarim opens on none other than Rosh Chodesh Shvat, and for the next until. Moshe Rabbeinu's Petira, so it's like 37, right, till Zion Adar, like 37 days, You have, we have that Moshe Rabbeinu gave over the Torah again. He repeated the Torah, Mishnah Torah, to Klal Yisrael. And this put into the Bria something fantastic. So again, another loose end. We didn't come to any conclusions yet. Let's take a look. <coughs> this is a quote from um, more or less from the Sefer HaTodah, and he says like this. So he says that Aleph Shvat, Moshe Rabbeinu started to repeat the Torah a second time in the 40th year in the Midbar. Okay, and then the Sefer HaTodah says as follows. I'm going to look at the, at, the, um, at the yellow, at the highlight. Mashul Echad Bishvat Kiyom Matan Torah. So the Aleph Shvat is like a day of Matan Torah, right? Just like Shavuos, just like Vav Sivan. And he says, Bishishi Besivan Nitna Torah Israel. So right, with that we're familiar with. So we should be eating cheesecake for a month now. Oso Hayom Vav Sivan Wonderful. So that we know, Vav Sivan is a skula to we are able to be remakabal the Torah, remakabal the mitzvot, improve all of our connection to Kadosh Baruch Hu and Torah and mitzvot. And now, drum roll, af be'echad b'shvat niftachim belibos Yisrael mayanos chadashim shel Torah. Kevan shebo bayom natan l'Yisrael, nitan l'Yisrael, Mishnah Torah. So, not only is Vav Sivan a day of Matan Torah, but Aleph Shvat is a day of Matan Torah and wellsprings. That's an interesting word that we're going to see here. Something wet. We already had a wet word of the Dali. The new springs of Torah are awakened in Chodesh Shvat because that is when Mishta Torah started to be given. So this is a very, very powerful day. The whole hayamim after the highlight ha'elah shebein echad l'shvat l'zayin adar misugalim l'zakos b'hem l'koach hischadshus ve'esek atorav ha'mitzvah. So it's thirty-seven days of cheesecake, thirty-seven days that are misugal for hischadshus in Torah, hischadshus right and strength strengthening our Torah and our mitzvahs. Terrific. Okay, I'm going to take a pause for a second and just take a drink. Okay. And one more, like some 
lovely person told us that we also have Rosh Chodesh Shvat is the Rosh Hashanah right? Kebe Shammai. And like we said, Kebe Hillel, it's Chamisha Zabeshvat, which we are familiar. Okay. So that was a lot of Lutherans. Let's just review them for a minute here. So we said so far, here are our loose ends. We said, number one, that the Chodesh, the Mazel of the Chodesh is a, is a Dali, is a pale. We said that we also have that Adar could not, uh, sorry, pardon me, Shvat could not be the month that Haman chose because of the Schus of Moshe who drew the water for the daughters of Yisro. We said that among other mazalos, this Dali, this mazal of this Chodesh was in the southern sky. We said that the Shevet of Asher, which is associated with olives, is connected with this month of Shvat. We said that we have red letter dates of Alash Shvat and Tesvav Shvat. Alash Shvat having two meanings. Number one, that Mishnah Torah started to be said then, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu repeated, the Torah and the mitzvot before his death, right? An Aleph Shvat. Plus we have, according to Beis Shammai, Rosh Hashanah Lilanos. According to Beis Hillel, Tubi Shvat is the Rosh Hashanah Lilanos. Okay, so those are, so far, all of our loose ends. Just to aggregate people, I might throw in a few more. But that's what we have till now. Any questions? Feel free to unmute yourself if you need a clarification. Good. Okay. So that's, we have a new little icon here. Here is our mat. And we're going to start embarking on tying up our loose ends to figure out what all those motifs over there have to do with Shvat. And then most importantly, what do they have to do with us? Because we're not going to just leave it high in the sky of, oh, very nice, beautiful, great ideas. We're going to bring it down to our own lives. Okay. Part of a pasuk, Yizal Mayim Midalyav. The water will stream from its buckets. Not going to ask anyone where it's from, but this is from when Bilam came to ostensibly curse B'nai Israel, and instead he gave brachos. So in, I believe it's the third one, the same one that Matovu is in, he goes and describes, it's metaphors describing the richness of B'nai Yisrael. And among the metaphor, Bilam says, water will stream from its buckets, meaning there's going to be such a an abundance of water, which is the lifeline. We don't think about it so much because we just open our tap and get water. But people who live maybe in Arizona or places that are drought-stricken will think about that a little bit more. But this, the metaphor is that we're going to be so, 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 so rich with water, which is the key to everything, all of our existence, to our farming, to our, to our sustenance. That is part of what, of how Bilam is seeing and, and giving a bracha to Klal Yisrael. The Sefer Tadah explains that by the time the month of Shvat comes, 
I'm not sure how this fits with global warming, but until then, until now, most of the rain has fallen. So since most of the rain has fallen, when people go to draw water from the well, and that's primarily what our bucket here is being used for, the water, the water table is very high, the water level is very high, so the bucket doesn't have to go down that low to go and catch the water. And when this metaphor is the water will stream from its buckets as the water is being drawn, the buckets being raised up out of the well, drawn off, there's such an abundance of water, it's going to just flow over the sides. And that is the school of the month of Shvat. And I'm not saying all that much yet, but just on a very superficial level that you have that the water, that the the month, the, the buckets just overflow and water is cascading out. Okay? Hence the 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 mazel Dali. Now Dali though has another meaning, or at least the word dal, right? dal. Dal is someone who is poor. So Chazal on this very pasuk says as follows. And he, the Chazal say, and here's another loose end. Sorry, we thought we were tying it up, but we have another loose end here. Chazal said, the Akashimani quotes it, he's harubi b'nei aniyim. Be very, very careful with the children of poor people. Shemei, like, don't taunt them, don't, don't tease them, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't be nasty to them. Don't take advantage of them. Shemehem teitzei Torah. The Torah comes from the children of impoverished people. Shenamar yizal mayim midalyav. Our pasuk. Water, right? Torah's metaphor to water will flow out from the poor ones, from the impoverished ones. So we have also this association of a, duck, a bucket and a poor person. We don't know why yet, but the, they share a common word, that's dalid lamid, dal mikimi dal, right, and dali. So, fine. Okay. My sister-in-law's on here, and this is a tribute to my brother. Anyone want to take a guess and um, tell me something about how a bucket is different than a barrel as far as what it does to the contents. Anybody want to be brave and take a think about wine being aged, think about sherry casks. Anyone want to be brave? The barrel protects the contents and maybe it improves it, but the bucket, it's just sort of there and, exactly. and it can spill. Beautiful. So how does the how does the barrel improve the contents? I don't know how it works, but they put wine in barrels and it does something good to it while it's there. Yes, it does. As you look in those little blurbs on the back of the wine bottle, it says aged in like oak barrel, this barrel, that barrel. The the flavor of the barrel or the flavor of what was previously in the barrel infuses goes in to the wine okay so the barrel actually contributes to the flavor of the wine or right whatever's fermenting in there as opposed to the 
bucket like this is simply a container. A bucket does not add anything else whatsoever. It's simply a container. <coughs> now, if you have your source sheets in front of you, I'm not going to flip back because I'll get myself in trouble. But when Haman rejected the month of Shvat, the first medrash that we saw said that it said, Deli zechus Moshe. Deli is, and then we have the merit of Moshe. The, that's from the Medrash Lekachto. The Esther Rabbah says it a little bit differently. And the Esther Rabbah says, Deli ze Moshe. Moshe was the quintessential bucket. He is not a barrel. He is a bucket. I'll let you think for a minute why, what that might imply. So he says like because this. Moshe repeated the Torah exactly as Hashem spoke it. He didn't add anything. He didn't subtract anything. He did it exactly as Hashem Perfect. Um, he was he was a transmitter. He wasn't um he wasn't there to improve it or change it or anything like that. He he just transmitted it exactly. You got it. Exactly. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Exactly right. Okay, you couldn't have said it better. Now we'll do it in Hebrew. had this completion. He was the quintessential Eved, he was the loyal Eved that just does and follows and is the transmitter of the Ratzon, the desire of his master. Moshe Rabbeinu Ha'anav Mikol Adam, who Eved HaMivatel Esnitziu Sola Adono. He nullifies, negates his existence to his master. Hu Mikabel Esatorah MeKadosh Baruch Hu Omoser Osa untainted, unchanged, unabridged, unelaborated on, he gives the Torah exactly as is to B'nai Israel. He's a quintessential Dali. He doesn't add anything of his own. Levad Hamidaberes, right? So when we have here, the, Zoh the Zohar says, Shechina Midaberes Mitoch Grono Shel Moshe Rabbeinu. The Shechina speaks from the throat of Moshe Rabbeinu. He is the quintessential Nosein HaTorah, giving it over exactly as HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it to him. And the Pesach even, you see a hint in the Pesach, Peh El Peh Adaber Bo. Mouth to mouth, face to face, I will speak in him. You don't say adaber a love, which would be the common way of saying it. Hashem says, mouth to mouth, I will speak to him. Doesn't say I will speak to him, but adaber bo, I will speak through him. This soho mamish. So Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the no Saint Torah, 
start in the Torah, Mishnah Torah on Rosh Chodesh Shvat is the quintessential Gli. Okay, and this is what we just said. Ha'ish Moshe Anaf Mod Mikol Adam Ashafnei Adama is extraordinary, extraordinary anivus. And Akniya Amitis Lashem Yisbarach Hu Dli. The motif that would show the subjugation to Hashem is the dli, is the bucket, is the pail, right? And the pail is going to be the one that transfers the water from one place, from the be'er ma'im chayim, from the well, from the, right, from the, 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 um, the spring to the consumers. And then furthermore, just add again, water, just like you leave it in a high place and it goes to a low place, all water is always going to seek down the lowest point. Divrei Torah also seek the one who has a, is not haughty, the one who is humble, the one who is a Moshe the one who, he's a hair, be careful with the children of the people who are poor. Right? Because from them come Torah. They are the, the humblest of the humble. And the Torah is going to be, they're the ones who are Mesugal to give over the Torah. Any questions? Okay. Next. Okay. So. I, this just basically summarizes what we said, so I'm not going to read it inside. I think that the um, I think that this will be posted as well in, when this year is posted. Okay, fine, fine. We took care of the Jli. We took care of Moshe Rabbeinu. What about this idea that the this mazel of Jli is in the south? So the Gemara says a fascinating Gemara. It talks about actually davening. You know, when we daven, we generally, we face towards the east. We face Mizrach. Okay? Now, if you're davening for a particular something, if it is, if you're davening for um, money, for wealth, Chazal tell us that a person should then tilt their body towards the north because in the mishkan the shulchan was in the north okay and shulchan is a symbol of parnasa therefore to become wealthy should move themselves to the north not their whole body but just shift the stance a little bit if a person wants to become wise, what should they do? Yadrim. That person should move their body, shift their body, even though they're facing, their, body, their whole feet are fa- is facing Mizrah, Mizrah, pardon me. They should shift their body towards the south. Why? Because the menorah was set in the south in the Mishkan. Okay. All right. Can anyone make a connection between the menorah and one of our clues, one of our loose ends earlier? 
Anyone want to do an apples to apples? Or in this case, it's actually a different fruit. It was in the southern part of the sky, the Dili. Correct. The Dili was in the southern part of the, the sky. Correct. And the Noah is in the southern, facing the south. Perfect. Good. Give me another one. Olive oil likes the menorah. Ah, there you go. I said not, not apples to apples, but olive to oil. Olives to olives. Good. And the menorah is lit by olive oil. And olive oil, the Shevet Usher, has a fascinating tchuna, a fascinating nature. Okay, this is what we just said, the bold, and it's the Chazal tell us like this, that the nature of this olive tree is that, especially in the olden days, we're talking about, you know, we have to put ourselves pre-electricity, right? The most important part of the olive industry was, it's what? Somebody? Oil? oil, 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 exactly. Nowadays, I don't have to ask our kosher people, but it's probably the olives themselves. But in those days, it was the oil. The oil was the most essential and important part, and therefore, the oil was primary, the olive was secondary, and the tree was. I'm going to spell it, say it wrong. Tertiary, tertiary, tertiary was third, was not right. So everybody is bowing away for the prime purpose of this oil. And this again is indicative that we have to bow away, step aside in order, step ourselves aside, just like the olive tree steps aside and the olive fruit steps aside just for the purpose of the oil if we want to be machkim, and this is the school of Chodesh Shvat, we are going to take this, grab this tuna, this nature from the olives, and just focus on the oil. Just focus on the chachma and move ourselves aside. Hence, just a total side point, if we're talking about olives, why do you think now on a deeper level that the olive branch is a symbol of shalom. What's the best way of making shalom? With light. With light, and what should we do with ourselves? By lowering ourselves. Putting ourselves aside, exactly. To make shalom, we're gonna be like the, the, the wood of the olive tree, and we're gonna be like the branches of the olive tree, we're gonna be like the olive itself, we're going to put ourselves aside, right? Just for that one purpose. So for the purpose of Shalom, we're going to put ourselves aside. Okay, that's a little bit of a side point, but not, okay. If you remember, I imagine that most of us do. In school, I imagine they have it now also. There was Midas HaChodesh. So with all that we said so far, can someone tell me what would you choose for Chodesh Vat as the Midas HaChodesh? Anava. You got it. Mizas Achodesh, Anava. A hundred percent. That's where we're going to go. And this is how we're going to hopefully um, inculcate and integrate the Mida of the Chodesh into ourselves and into our real lives. So we're going to go on two 
little journeys now, one a little longer, one a little shorter. Okay? And we're going to talk about Anivos, because this is where, this is what Shvat is all about. So, back to loose ends, so if you're, with your with your Okay? When Hashem created on that Wednesday, first Wednesday of creation, Yom Rivi'i, the two Ma'oros, doing the two great luminaries, the Ma'or HaGadol, the great luminary, dominated the day. And the Morakatan, the smaller luminary, the moon dominate to dominate the night. Fine. Originally, they were both called Hameoros Hagadolim. Okay. And we're all so familiar with this Rashi. They were originally created the same size. Then the moon got was shrunken by Hashem, was diminished by Hashem, right? Because she said to It's not possible that two kings should use the same crown, implying that I don't want to be the same size as the sun. Okay, now, as far as that Rashi goes, who seems like the person who is, um, quote unquote, the bad actor? Who seems like the, the, the one who's in the wrong here? The moon. The moon, yeah. And that's how we always learn it. If we look at the Gemara, that a lot that this Rashi is quoting from, there's a lot more to the story. Like, hold on. If you've never seen this, you're like, oh my goodness, how could this be? So listen to this Gemara. So now the moon, after she was shrunken by Hashem, she countered back to Hashem. And she said, Hashem, I said something appropriate. I said something good. Why should I shrink? So she's like protesting. to Why should I shrink myself? So Hashem is going to offer the moon a series of consolation prizes. And each one she's going to reject. What were the consolation prizes? Amarla. She, so the Hashem said, you know what? You can shine by day and you can shine by night. And the moon says, She says, ah, that's not going to be any good because like, why in the middle of the day, I'm shining. I'm not going to add anything, any, any, illumination into the day. Like I, I tell my class when I teach this, if you have a bright room and you light a, a match, it doesn't, I mean, it does add some illumination, but it's negligible. If you have a dark room and you light a match, then that illumination is very, very apparent. So the moon is saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, me, sign by day, what good is that? Uh, the sun is shining. I'm not going to be apparent at all. I don't like that idea. Okay. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives her Another option. Amrla Zil Limnu Bach Israel Yamim Vishanim. She said, Go. And Klai Israel is gonna really count their days and their months, their years. The calendar is going to be by you. So you should be happy. You'll be the calendar queen, etc. Okay, but the moon retorts, hang on, I just lost my cursor here. Yuma Nami. 
אי אפשר שלא אמרנו בית קופתא. I don't like that consolation prize either. The sun also is involved in the calendar. The seasons are by the sun, and that's not a really good consolation prize. Fine. So she doesn't like that consolation prize. Anyone ever hear this before? It's like, wow. Okay. So then, a Kashbrach officer, another one. Zeal, go. You know what? You have a moniker, Hamora Katan. That's going to be your name. There are going to be other tzaddikim that are going to share your name. Yaakov HaKatan, Shmuel HaKatan, David HaKatan. So guess what? And you're Hamor HaKatan. So you should be happy that you're in really good company because they're all sharing your your name. The moon didn't like that either. The Gemara doesn't mention the part about the stars, but okay. The moon doesn't reject that also. So look at this next paragraph. Chazay. Hashem saw that the, the, um, the mind, the moon, wasn't settled, that her opinion wasn't settled. I need a kapara. I Hashem. I Hashem, but I Hashem need a kapara that I shrank the moon. So all of a sudden, who is taking, quote unquote, blame for this? It's not the moon anymore. It's Kadosh Baruch Hu Bechvodo Ba'atzo. We could never say it if Hashem didn't say it. He said, I need a kapara. What's a kapara? Behind us, Amar, Reb Shimon Bar Lakish. Ma nishtana seir shalosh chodesh, shenamar ba'ol Hashem. So in Parshas Pinchas, when you have all the karbanos of the Yom Tovim, the each one, each yontif comes with a korban chatas. Sir chatas slash sir chatas, sir chatas, sir chatas. By Rosh Chodesh, it's unique and says sir chatas lahashem or some chatas lahashem. It's the only yontif that says the chatas for Hashem. So Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu, sir zeyehi kapara al shimiatiti es hayareach. This sir should be a kapara that I shrank the moon. And I'm sure your mind is racing furiously with questions. If it's, not, if it's not, it should be. What questions do we have here? Right? Fine. What did the moon want? Hashem gave the moon so many things. What did she want? And if you were a Kodesh Baruch Hu, what options did you have? What could, what would have been a smoother option? If you thought the moon was right, somebody want to play a Kaddish Baruch Hu? What could you do? The moon doesn't like to be small. The moon is right. So do what to her? Make her big. You got it. Make her big again. Okay. Fine. Why don't we? Why didn't Hashem just reinflate her? Next, how does this the ear of Rosh Chodesh solve this problem? Right. So what is going on here? Mr. Pincus and Nefesh Chayan is also in a Sefer Chumash and Bracious addresses this whole Gemara in great depth. And we're just going to summarize it a little bit because, right, we're trying to figure out Amidah Sachodesh of Anava. Okay. Number one, what did the moon really want? Number two, why did Hashem offer all of these options? Number three, 
how did Rosh Chodesh accomplish this? And number four, we're going to have to understand Lo Adu Rosh Lo Badu Pesach. So Baruch Hashem, this is a tie-up. We're going to tie up this right now. So Rapinka says that the moon really wanted to be close to Hashem. The moon really wants. The moon felt that the sun is close to Hashem, and she gets her light from Hashem. And the moon is simply uh, like a klishlishi. She's a reflect. Gets goes from Hashem to the sun, and from the sun to the moon. And she didn't want to be a klishlishi. She didn't want to be like you know. Yeah, yeah. We'll fill her up next. So she really wanted to be close to Kadosh Baruch. Hakadosh Baruch Hu wanted, and of course, there's a whole other. I'll have to speak for for all you Hashem women again a different time about that. Any time we have these situations going on with inanimate objects having these kinds of arguments, it's basically allegorical to teach us lessons. So, but that's for a different time. So Hashem offered her all these different options to test to, to kind of give her a little test. Are you really after the real thing? Are you really after being close to me? Or maybe you'll be happy being in company with Shmuel, Yaakov, and David. Maybe you'll be happy shining 24-7. Maybe you'll be happy being a calendar queen. Maybe you'll be happy. And as the moon rejected all of these offers, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, she proved herself that she really just wanted the real deal. She wanted to become close to HaKadosh Baruch. So HaKadosh Baruch tells her, you know what? The way to become close to HaKadosh Baruch is as follows. Sir Pinkas explains that the word kapara means to wipe away, to wipe aside. So HaKadosh Baruch through the seer of Rosh Chodesh, and through the whole Rosh Chodesh process, is wiping away this whole problem. And how is that? There is a concept called Lo Adu Rosh Lo Badu Pesach. Lo Adu Rosh Lo Badu Pesach means that Rosh Hashanah cannot come out on a Sunday, a Wednesday, or a Friday. And you can do the math. If it comes out on a did I just say the wrong thing? On a Sunday, a Wednesday, a Friday, right? Rosh Hashanah. If it comes out on a Sunday, then Hoshana Rabbah will come out on Shabbos. And that, we can't have that. We need to be able to do Chibut Hashanah. If it comes out on a Wednesday or a Friday, then Yom Kippur will flank Shabbos. Then Yom Kippur will either come out on Friday or on Sunday. And you can't have two days of Shabbos next to each other. Okay? Fine. Lobadu Pesach, and that's with that with this with the Omer. Pesach can't come out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now what happens if indeed, indeed, the new moon comes on a Sunday? If the witnesses come running to base it on a Sunday and uh, Sunday is Aleph Tishrei, what's gonna happen? What happens if the if the witnesses come running to the basin to the Sanhedrin and that they saw the new moon on a Wednesday or on a Friday? What happens? So the Gemara tells us that because of this rule, O Adu Rosh Badu Pesach, the basin has 
the latitude to do everything in its power to ignore or to be mevatel, there's nothing more, but be mevatel the testimony of the Adim. The Adim have to, well, their testimony has to match perfectly, and the Basin has the rishus, the permission, to ask them a bazillion questions, back and forth, 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 back a million times, to make them cuckoo, till their testimony doesn't match, or till the day is done, and they can't proclaim that Rosh Chodesh. So basically, what is happening? Yes, indeed, the moon is getting its its um its its little sliver from the sun, but l'shem shamayim, we are ignoring the moon. We are ignoring her. She is putting herself aside. She is being mevatel herself. Hopefully, these are echoing from what we said earlier. The moon is mevatel herself, leman Hashem. And the more the moon shrinks herself and moves her atzmias, her ani aside, that opens the door for closeness to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. I'm just going to read it inside from Rapinkas. And he says like this, Nimza in Cain. So this was Hashem's answer to the moon. The new moon, which indicates Rosh Chodesh. It really is not established. Many times it is established through the sun, but the ultimate establishment is through based in. Right, that's the sun shining on it. But that's, those are not the one, that's not the event that establishes Rosh Chodesh. Elah Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin establishes Rosh Chodesh, and they are an arm of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Al Torah Kedosha, Shikdushas Hashem Ba'atzva. Heim Kovim Masai Hu Molet HaLavana. The Sanhedrin are the ones who establish when is the Molet. When is Rosh Chodesh? When are we, even though you're body of your little thinny, thin, skinny banana moon is telling us Rosh Chodesh, you are setting you aside, L'Shem Shamayim, L'Shem Hashem. And this is the Kanana Kadosh Baruch Hu And this is how Hashem agreed and to the to the um, request of the Yareach. Mehayom Einech Taloi B'Shemesh Ela B'Sanhedrin. You are not dependent on the sun. You are not the Kli Shlishi from the sun. You are the Kli Rishon from me, or the Kli Shani from me, right? You are the one, and I am the one who establishes you as Rosh Chodesh, and that's how you can have, by minimizing yourself, right? By being this quintessential Gli, and not the, and not the, the barrel. That is how you, um, that is how you gain closeness to a Kaddish Baruch. Okay, so that was on a high level. Okay, and here this is, is repeat of what we just said. Okay, now, to our, to our life, to the Tachos Lamaisa Lamaisa Lamaisa. Revolba in Ali Shur, when he's talking to, um, Bachram Hor developing, and he's talking to them about how to develop Midas Ha'anivos. 
and how to work on anivas. And he's, he cautions them, and probably, I don't know, we're so fragile nowadays, the caution probably applies to us in our mature state, that working really hard on to negate our anochias and to negate our gaiva and to be the, uh, I, I don't know, a real anav, an extreme anav, really could be very detrimental to a person's psyche. But he gives three suggestions of areas where a person can work on their midas ha'anava. Okay, so this is really the, this is the big tie-up. This is the big, I should have made a bigger knot here. Okay, so he says, number one, through tefillah. Davening, he says, I'll read it in Hebrew, we'll elaborate a little bit. Tefillah, kula, hihachna, lifnebore, kol ha'olamos. Davening, a person is machnia themselves, lowers themselves in front of a Kaddosh Baruch Hu. So the person should really try to make daven with a fanem, daven with a, 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 a purpose. And this purpose should include it in this purpose. We have our kavana, we have our kavanos, and but also to be machnia ourselves in front of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that he is the kol yachol, and we are simply the pawns. And I don't know if I spoke about this to the women, I spoke, I've spoken about it before, that the stance that we take in davening is the very close stance of our feet together and our hands one inside the other in order to, or right on top of our left, in order to symbolize that I, I have no power myself. I am just a humble, small human being. There by the grace of God I go. And that should be a large part of my attitude during that during davening. And that will develop our mida of anivas. Number two, he suggests when we learn with the chavrusa. So we're not going to be learning with the chavrusa, but I think it's universally applicable. And he says like this. Learning with a chavrusa really is connected to, to breaking a mida. Yeah, your chavrusa is right. And you have to tell them, you know what? You're right. So I hear you. I see what you're saying. To come out around to someone who's like, you are right. I am wrong. Not so easy to do. But this is developing Amida of Anivos. Right? The person with is, that we're talking to is swifter, is deeper. Those, and we have to validate, yes, you caught, a, you caught on so quickly. Give me a minute to catch on. Think about, not even learning with Habrusa, because I'm not sure how much we do that. But when we're in a conversation with somebody, it's like to be so present and to listen to what the person is really saying, to be that active listener. Our mind should be quiet and not racing of how I'm going to respond. What do I want to say back? No, I really want to lean in to what that person is saying and hear their point of view, even as a point of view that's new to me or that I disagree with. That Mida of Anava will allow me to really, really listen. And the last one, he says, is Shimush I'm not sure we can be creative of how applicable that might be to us. Um, 
but that certainly a Bachar will have that type of uh, that type of uh, of uh, opportunity. But we also, when we, you know, with, with uh, the Rav, the the Rosh Hashiva, when we're here, when we hear from the Rav, when we hear from the Rosh Hashiva, when we hear a Shir, we can also be machnia ourselves very much with um, with what they say. Okay, I'm going to ask you a bonus question. You know, like double jeopardy. They have the end, the last round. Hang on, it's going to escape my screen share. And here's the bonus question. There was one um, one loose end that we didn't address. Anybody? One of our loose ends. One of our dates. <coughs> Somebody want to try it? What date was we didn't talk about Tubishvat at all? Hey, where'd that go? Okay, because it was Rosh Chodeshvat. The daughters of Yisro. Okay, you're right. Okay, and we'll get we'll see if we can get to that. So they were simply saying how Moshe how Moshe drew for them. Okay, I'm sure there's more to it than that. But um he didn't speak about Tubishvat all that much in this in this sicha. I was thinking about it a little bit that Tubishvat also really fits with this because it's a, that silent moving of the sap that we are celebrating, that we don't see that sap rising, that sap falling up and down the phloem and the xylem, whatever it is from biology and botany. And that silent movement that causes the bloom in the tree later on, a few, a few months later. And I think that also maybe symbolizes that the sap doesn't need to make a huge noise or a huge um <clears throat> a huge huge splash certainly shouldn't in order to do what it needs to do okay so i hope that as a session we should be a to use out the month of shvat well to work on our kabbalah satora to work on amidas of anivos and um have a good night any questions i'm happy to take you can unmute yourself okay. thank you so much Thank you, Mrs. Reingold. I apologize for the technical difficulties earlier. Um, by the way, it's Leah Sherizen. You taught me a very long time ago. Very, very long time ago. Um, so uh, one thing that Mrs. Reingold did not say in her bio is that her passion is teaching Torah. And we were Zoha tonight to see that come alive for all of us um, in such an engaging and magnificent way. So thank you, Mrs. Reingold, for learning with us tonight. And I also posted our sponsors in the chat. This was not on Andrea. Everything worked perfectly on her end. It was a user error on my end. So apologies. Um, you know, everything is always perfect uh, when Andrea is here. So um, just want to thank very much uh, the Faye and Nathan Holtzman, Holtzman family for sponsoring this entire Rosh Chodesh series. And then also, of course, Pearl Zoyman in memory of her grandparents, Rivka Batsvi Hirsch, whose yard site is the 19th of Teves, and Avram Ava Ben Harav Moshe, whose yard site is the 29th of Teves, as well as her father-in-law, Harav Yisrael Zev Ben Yosef, whose yard site is the 11th of Shvat, and Sharon Zuckerbrod, her father, Hyman Goldstein's yard site is the 9th of Shvat, Chaim Shlomo Ben David. The, the learning that took place tonight should be an aliyah for all their neshamos and should be a schos yeah. for Kla Yisrael. Please note that our classes begin again on January 28th, and there is a special uh, lecture on January 22nd with um, 
a woman from New York. Her name is Nama uh, Maya Namdar. She is going to speak on Amuna and Bitachon, and it is being co-sponsored by Elevate and BGQ for women of the community to come together during this moment as we face tremendous uh, challenges in Klai Israel. And it is separate. It is um, we are asking that people contribute to a staka in Eretz Israel. So this is separate from people's membership, but we do hope that this is an opportunity for the women of the community to come together and it should be a schuss for all the learning, should be a schuss for Klai Israel. Um, so okay. thank you everyone for your participation and thank you, Mrs. Reingold. Thank, yeah, thank, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you. Good night. And so much. Amen. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Bye.